All right, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord for those that got saved this morning. Amen. Amen. And uh, it's always a great thing when the manifestation of the of God, the Holy Amen. Spirit, uh, shows up. And uh, thank the Lord for that. Appreciate your pastor and you folks inviting me this weekend. And and uh, always love coming here and and the camp meeting too. And uh, Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Amen. And uh, Brother Aaron, he's doing good up there in Columbus. And he's, uh, he's, he's preaching. That's what he likes to do. Amen. Amen. He got his degree there from Ohio State. He's, I said, I'm not calling you doctor. I know you're a doctor, but I said, I ain't calling you doctor. I'm just joking with him. And, uh, but anyways, he's, uh, got his doctorate degree and he got a job with Ohio State. I guess he got a he could have had a job with Ohio Health that paid more. But he got a job uh with Ohio State uh in their whatever department it is. And uh and he said the reason is because it's more flexible for the ministry. So uh he said I'm not I'm not worried about making a big bunch of money, so I want to preach word of God and go to meetings once in a while and things like that so thank the Lord for that amen, amen. let's turn to Job 38 Job 38 and if you want to stand if you're able to stand Job 38, and uh, look here at Job 38, verse 31. You know, some verses in the Bible, you get in Chronicles, and other verses like we're going to read here. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I have to be honest, I ask the Lord, why did you put that in the Bible? And, but you know what God reminds me about? Every word of God is pure. Amen. Proverbs 30, verse 5. And all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Second right. Timothy three sixteen. So what we're about to read is scripture, so it's profitable. Right. Amen. Amen. Job 38, verse 31. Canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season? Or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Canst thou lift up thy voice to the clouds that abundance of waters may cover thee? Canst thou send lightnings that they may go and say unto thee, Here we are? Who hath put wisdom in the inward parts? Or who hath given understanding to the heart? Who can number the clouds in wisdom? Or who can stay the bottles of heaven? When the dust groweth into hardness and the clods cleave fast together, wilt thou hunt the prey for the lion or fill the appetite of the young lions? 
when they couch in their dens and abide in the covert to lie in wait, who provideth for the, who provideth for the raven his food? When his young ones cry unto God, they wander for lack of meat. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for uh, your blessings. God, you've been so good to us as the brother was singing this morning, Lord. And God, you have been so good to all of us. We just want to thank you and praise you tonight. And you're such a great, wonderful God, Lord. You have never done anything wrong to me. And uh, Lord, I want to thank you for that. And I appreciate that. I pray tonight that you'd have your will in the service, Lord, that you would save that lost soul that might be in the building. Pray you'd strengthen and encourage your people tonight. We ask in Jesus' name and amen. You may be seated. Verse 31, where I'll preach from. Canst thou bind the sweet influences of, if I'm pronouncing it right, Pleiades, or loose the bands of Orion? And this talks here about Pleiades and Orion. And you don't need to turn to it, but in Job 9.9, 9, it says, Which maketh Arcturus, Arcturus, Orion, and Pleiades, mentioned again there, and the chambers of the south. He says, Can thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion? The Pleiades are seven stars in the constellation of Orion. They make their appearance in the spring. Uh, Orion is the giant of the constellations, and it can be seen off and on from October to January. The question that God asked Job is simple. He's asking him, can you make spring stay all through summer, and can you take off the bonds of winter from nature? And of course, no man can. No man ever has, and no man ever will. <clears throat> and whether you air condition all summer to bind the sweet influences, or whether you heat electrically all winter to loose the bands, verse 31, you'll run out of energy, your electric bill will double every five years, your body will get filled with poisons from not sweating, your land and crops will lie under snow in the winter and drought in the summer. Orion appears on the southern horizon and slightly westward throughout the winter. But verse 31 <clears throat> He says here, he talks about the sweet influences, the sweet influences. And then in Amos chapter 5, verse 8, you don't need to turn to it, I'll read it. Amos 5, 8 mentions this, these things again. Seek him that maketh the seven stars, Amos 5, 8, seven stars and Orion, and turneth the shadow of death into the morning, and maketh the day dark with night, that calleth for the waters of the sea, and poureth them out. Upon the face of the earth, the Lord is his name. I want to preach tonight. I chose these verses because I want to preach tonight on the verse, uh, Job 38, verse 31, where he says, Canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades? I want to preach on God's sugar stick or sweet influences. God's sugar stick or sweet influences. You know, in Exodus chapter 15, 23 to 25, the Bible says that the children of Israel came to Marah. They could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it is called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. 
There he made for them a statue and an ordinance, and there he proved them. So the waters were bitter, but he threw a tree into the waters, and the waters were made sweet. Thank God for the tree of Calvary. Amen. I'm preaching on God's sugar stick, sweet influences. Sweet influences. The tree, the cross of Calvary is sweet because of many reasons. In John 19.30, Jesus said, it's finished. I'm glad it's finished. Amen. A lot of people think they got to add some things to salvation. Jesus hanging on the cross, he didn't say, I did my part, now you do your part. I'm glad it's finished. Amen. It's com- you are complete in him. Colossians 2.10. Proverbs 13.19, the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. And I'm glad when Jesus said it's finished, it was sweet to God the Father's soul. God's sugar stick, sweet influences. Job 38, 31, canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion? I don't know about all the sweet influences of Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion and all that, but I want to tell you what, the tree, the cross of Calvary is sweet because of several different reasons. Number one, because of the pardon that it offers. The pardon. When I got saved, I was pardoned by God. Isaiah 55, 7, for he will abundantly pardon. Nehemiah 9, verse 17 says, But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and forsookest them not. I'm glad he'll never forsake us. He'll never forsake us. <clears throat> the word pardon means forgiveness. The release of an offense or of the obligation of the offender to suffer a penalty or to bear the displeasure of the offended party. God was offended by our sin, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-seven. Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, Jesus Christ, through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. People say there's not a difference between Old Testament and New Testament salvation. I beg your pardon. From which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. It shows there's a difference, amen. That's Acts 13, 38, and 39. Praise God. Romans 4, verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Not his baptism, not his good works, not his church membership, his faith. Amen. Um, the tree, the cross of Calvary. God said, hey Moses, throw that tree in them bitter waters, it'll make them sweet. I'm preaching on God's sugar stick, sweet influences. The tree, the cross of Calvary is sweet because of the pardon that it offers. Secondly, it's sweet because of the peace that it gives. Well, I'm so thankful for the peace of God. Now, you know, when you get saved, the peace of God comes in your heart. <clears throat> Romans 5.1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But folks, you and I as saved people, if you're saved, you have to let that peace of God rule in your heart. Amen. So you get the peace of God when you get saved, but you don't always have that peace of God. One of the main 
things that destroys or hurts that peace in your heart is sin and disobedience and rebellion against God. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you are called in one body and be ye thankful. Colossians 3.15 Kind of hard to be thankful if you don't have the peace of God in your hearts. That might be why God put those two things in the same verse in Colossians 3.15. Amen. Uh, The tree, the cross of Calvary is sweet because of the peace that it gives. Uh, Ephesians 2.14 For he is our peace. Ephesians 2.17 And came and preached peace to you which were afar off. We were afar off. But thanks be to God. Amen. To them that were nigh. Not only do people not have peace because they're not saved, they're not justified, but because they don't have a prayer life. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. After all, that's where the devil works on you. Your heart and mind shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. People don't have peace because there's no prayer life. People don't have the peace of God because their mind's not stayed on God. Isaiah 26.3 Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. People don't have the peace of God because they don't hearken to His commandments. Isaiah 48, 18. Oh, that thou hast hearkened to my commandments, then had thy peace been as a river. Isaiah is full of verses about rivers and the peace. You ever notice that? I mean, what is there, 66 chapters in Isaiah? It's a kind of picture of the whole Bible, 66 books. But 66 chapters, I believe, in Isaiah... And uh, it, it talks about peace, and it talks about the uh, rivers all through the book of Isaiah. Amen. God's sugar sticks. The tree, the cross of Calvary is sweet because of the pardon that it offers, the peace that it gives, and thirdly, because of the power that it bestows. Yes. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1.18 Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Romans 1.16, folks, we got the most powerful message in the world. No other religion or cult has the message that we have. See, when you tell people the gospel, the Holy Spirit is dealing with them. And convicts them. If the Holy Spirit wouldn't deal with people, really our words would mean nothing. But you have the Holy Spirit of God working in people's hearts when you're witnessing to them. These other false cults don't have that. When they witness their false gospel, another gospel, the Holy Spirit isn't saying, he's right, he's right, he's right. The Holy Spirit's probably saying, they're wrong, they're wrong, they're wrong. The tree, the cross of Calvary is sweet because of the power that it bestows. It has the power to defeat sin and Satan and self, and the system of this world. Sin in Romans 6, we'd be here all night, but Romans 6, 7, and 8 talks about, uh, Paul talked about the two natures there. And he said, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Romans 6, 12. God gives you the power within yourself, and when you get saved, He gives you the power to have victory over sin. 
Sin doesn't have to reign and rule in your life and in your heart according to Paul in Romans 6, 7, and 8. <clears throat> the power that it bestows. It has power to defeat sin. It has power to defeat Satan. Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. James 4, verse 7 and 8. You get... I heard a preacher say one time, you can get just as close to God as you want to get. Dr. Don Green said, most people have about as much God as they want. Brother Homer Smith said, a lot of people like brill cream religion. A little dab will do you. Brill cream religion. A little dab will do you. Boy, I don't want a little dab. I want want to dive right in. Amen. Power that it bestows. It has power to defeat sin, Satan, self. Uh, Galatians 5, 16 and 17. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. See, folks, the more that you feed on the Word of God and prayer and come to church, Sunday school and church, and church Sunday night, church Wednesday night, I mean, every time you're able to be here and you hear the preaching and teaching of the Word of God, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, you grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The more you do that and you saturate yourself with the Word of God, the more you'll be able to overcome the sinful temptations and you'll have power over self. Paul said, I die daily. 1 Corinthians 15, 31. Who wants to die? I got a message I preach. Probably preached it here through the years. Are you dead? Paul said, for you are dead, Colossians 3, 3. And your life is hid with Christ and God. And I parallel physical death with spiritual death, dying out to ourself. You know a person that's been dead for a while? They stink. You know, utility workers out in the fields working so far, they smell a raunchy, raunchy smell. They went over there and there's a dead body laying there. Been there for a long time. I don't, I've never heard, smelled, I'm not trying to get gross tonight, but I never smelled a dead body, but they say it's the most rottenest smell in the world. A skunk would smell good compared to that. That's our flesh. That's why they have to embalm us. Put us six feet under. My worst enemy is me. This old stinking rotten flesh, Steve Kogel, oof. Shut up! I want this, I want that. I want, it's cold, it's hot. It's, I want this. I'm, 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 I'm. Shut up! That's flesh. You know a man sitting in prison, jail, Paul wrote, Philippians was written in jail, so one of the prison epistles. You know what he said? You read that, especially chapter 4. Let's see, Philippians 4.11. Not that I speak in respect and want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, there ought to be content. And he's sitting in jail. 4.13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Huh? You're sitting in jail, Paul. Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Well, you need to get out of jail, Paul. I mean, he writes all those things. That guy... If he, was, if he was living today, he'd probably wonder if Steve Kogel was even saved. That guy was, I mean, he was sold out. No wonder why God had him write 14 of the 27 epistles in the New Testament. If it was Hebrews, he wrote Hebrews. 
And he killed Christians before he got saved. You talk about the grace of God. Is that grace? He witnessed Stephen's murder. The witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet. His name was Saul in Acts 7 and Acts 9. He becomes Paul. He witnessed it. I bet he was under a flash and Holy Ghost conviction. When Stephen says, lay not this sin to their charge, he's getting stoned to death. I'll tell you what. The power that it bestows. It has the power to defeat sin, Satan, self, and the system of this world. Ye are of God, little children, have overcome them, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. 1 John 4, 4. For whatsoever is born of God, you've been born of God? For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. 1 John 5, 4. Number four. The cross of Calvary. The tree, the cross of Calvary, is sweet because of the praise that it deserves. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. When I got saved, this old world just didn't look the same. Do what you want to do, have what you want to have, go after whatever you want to go after. But I'm going to tell you, when I got, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having nice things, but when I got saved... This old world, there's kind of a bitter taste in my mouth. And every year I've been saved since, it just, this world just don't, we, we've got the real thing. The real person, the Lord Jesus Christ. The praise that it deserves. John Witherspoon was uh, Princeton's first president. <coughs> he said, quote, he said this, quote, Cursed be all learning, contrary to the cross of Christ. Cursed be all learning, not coincident with the cross of Christ. And cursed be all learning, not subservient to the cross of Christ. The praise that he deserves. The cross of Calvary. Christ for sickness, Christ for health, Christ for poverty, Christ for wealth. Christ for joy, Christ for sorrow, Christ today and Christ tomorrow. Christ my life and Christ my light. Christ for morning, moon and night. Noon and night. Christ, when all around gives way, Christ, my everlasting stay. Christ, my rest, and Christ, my food. Christ, above, my highest good. Christ, my well-beloved, my friend. Christ, my pleasure without end. Christ, my Savior. Christ, my Lord. Christ, my portion. Christ, my God. Christ, my shepherd, I, his sheep. Christ himself, my soul doth keep. Christ, my leader. Christ, my peace. Christ hath bought my soul's release. Christ my righteousness divine. Christ for me, for he is mine. Christ my wisdom. Christ my meat. Christ restores my wandering feet. Christ my advocate and priest. Christ who ne'er forgets the least. Christ my teacher. Christ my guide. Christ my rock. In Christ I hide. Christ my ever-living bread. Christ his precious blood hath shed. Christ my glory, Christ my crown, Christ the plant for great renown, Christ my comforter on high, Christ my hope draws ever nigh. Cross of Calvary is sweet, sweet influence because of the praise that it deserves. To the artist, the Lord Jesus is the one altogether lovely. To the architect, he's the chief cornerstone. 
To the baker, he's the living bread. To the banker, he's the hidden treasure. To the biologist, he is the life. To the builder, he is the sure foundation. To the carpenter, he is the door. To the doctor, he's the great physician. To the educator, he's the great teacher. To the engineer, he is the new and living way. To the farmer, he is the sower and the lord of the harvest. To the florist, he is the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. To the geologist, he is the rock of ages. To the horticulturist, he is the true vine. To the judge, he is the righteous judge, the judge of all men. To the juror, he is the faithful and true witness. To the jeweler, he is the pearl of great price. To the lawyer, he is counselor, the the lawgiver, the advocate. To the newspaper man, he is the good news of great joy. To the philanthropist, one who loves and seeks to benefit mankind, he is the unspeakable gift. To the philosopher, he is the wisdom of God. To the preacher, he is the word of God. To the sculptor, he is the living stone. To the statesman, he is the desire of all nations. To the student, he is the incarnate truth. To the theologian, he is the author and finisher of our faith. To the laborer, he is the giver of rest. To the sinner, he is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And to the Christian, he is the Son of the living God, the Savior, the Redeemer, and Lord. I'll tell you what, it's a sweet influence because of the praise that it deserves. Number five, let me give you this. The cross of Calvary, the tree of Calvary is sweet because of the person that it holds. The person that it holds. Who is that? Is it Buddha? Confucius? Muhammad? No. It's not Mary. It's not any pope. It's not uh, a church or religion. It's not water baptism. It's not good works. It's not Joseph Smith or Brigham Young. It's not Charles Russell or Joseph Rutherford. It's Jesus Christ. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I got thinking about it one time. Well, many times, but I thought, who loved me and gave himself. Himself, what's that mean? What specifically did he give? You say, well, he died on the cross, Brother Kogel. Number one, he gave his head to wear the thorns for me. Matthew 27, 30, and they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. John 19, 2, and the soldiers plated a crown of thorns and put it on his head. Hey, young people, all of us, you need to give your head, your brain to God. I mean, they, 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 I mean, they just brutally just about slaughtered him. His, his visage was so marred more than any man. He gave his head thorns for you and I. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, Philippians 2.5. Give your mind to God. The people had a mind to work, Nehemiah 4.6. He gave his eyes to weep tears for me. Luke 19.41, he beheld the city and wept over it. 
John 11.35, Jesus wept. He gave his eyes to weep tears for me. He gave his cheek to be smitten for me. You say, where's that at in the Bible? Lamentations 3.30, a prophecy. He giveth his cheek to him that smiteth him. And he gave up, he gave up his cheek. That's where you smile. He gave up his smile for me. He's a man of sorrows. Isaiah 53 says he's a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He's wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities. Gave up his cheek, his smile. For you and I. Think about that. He gave his tongue to pray for me. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Luke 23, 34. He gave his tongue. We ought to give our tongue. We ought to witness for it, witness to other people. Use your mouth, your tongue for God. You know, in Mark 5, 19, after he healed that demoniac of Gadara in Mark 5, 19, he said, go home to thy friends and tell them. Jesus said that. Tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. He said, go tell them. What a God. He wants us to use our tongue. Pray to him. Witness to others. Sing. He gave his back to be plowed for me. You say, where's that at? Isaiah 50, verse 6. I gave my back to the smiters. Jesus Christ gave his back for us, folks. And people will say to another person, I've got your back. We ought to give our backs to the Lord and to each other. (coughs) Galatians 6.2 Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Amen. Amen. Think about it. His back. Psalms 129.3 Listen to this prophecy. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. That's like digging a plow in the dirt, whipping through the skin. He got done with his back. It looked like a bunch of hamburger. These pictures you see of Jesus having a couple little drops of blood on his face, that's not a true depiction of that, folks. That's not a true depiction. He gave his back to be plowed for me. He gave his side to the spear's thrust. The spear thrust for me. John 19, 31. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came there out blood and water. That's what Paul's talking about in Galatians 2, 20. There's a lot in that verse. Who gave himself for me. He gave his hands to the nails for me. Psalms 22, 16, a prophecy concerning the crucifixion. They pierced my hands. His hands never held a glass of liquor or a marijuana joint or touched a woman in an illicit manner. It's totally sinless. Imagine being around a man walking on this earth 2,000 years ago that never even thought anything wrong, let alone do anything wrong. No wonder why people hated him. No wonder why they got under conviction when they got around him. You know, people get under conviction of you. If you live for the Lord, and they know you're faithful to church, and you love God, and you read your Bible and pray, people that are not saved or not even right with God 
when they get around you, they are a little bit uncomfortable. He gave his hands to the nails for me. I told you about it, but I crushed my hand back in 1980 at Kroger Bakery up there in Columbus and uh, four and a half hours of reconstruction surgery. And this Indian doctor, Dr. Haroon Aziz, reconstruction surgeon, Grant Hospital. They rushed me to Grant Hospital. I worked at Kroger Bakery there, and uh, this man put this big, uh, this big uh, mixer down on my hands, great big, big old steel mixer. <clears throat> they rushed me to the hospital four and a half hours. He'd come the night, night before surgery. He said, I might have to take your hand. Very badly crushed. He said, I might have to take your hand right there. He showed me where. I was 23 years old. I'd been saved three years. Preaching two years. I said, God, I don't want to have a stub there. I said, I sure would like to have my hand. Praise God, they didn't have to take it. Amen. He said, you get, you get arthritis at an early age in the wintertime. It'd be purple. He was right. He said, you get in your 40s. He said, you start getting arthritis. But that there is nothing compared to what my Savior went through. Amen. Nothing. Amen. He gave his hands to the nails for me. He gave his feet for the nail, to the nails for me. Psalms 22, 16, they pierced my hands and feet. We ought to give our feet to God. Our feet ought to go to church faithfully, go to seek lost souls, Amen. go to the places God wants us to go to and not go to, Amen. or the places that God don't want us to go to, we don't go to. Uh, he gave his precious blood. Precious, pure, powerful blood. Amen. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Romans 5, 9. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. 1 Peter 1, verse 18 and 19. Think how powerful his blood is. His blood can cleanse and wash away every single human being's sins. We'll just go back 2,000 years since the time of Calvary. You realize how many people have been on this earth before, before you and I even came along? There's seven and a half billion on the earth right now as I speak. God knows every one of them. What a God. You realize you, realize you go to the cemetery, some of these big cemeteries, hundreds and thousands of people, and they usually give the name and they give the, when they were born, and there's a dash, and you've heard this before, a dash, and at the time of death, that dash represents their life. The Lord knew all about that, each person's dash. Knew everything they did. From the time they were born till the time they died. What a God. And people don't want Him. They're fools. Lost. Gave his precious, but he gave his soul a sin offering for me. Isaiah 53 10, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He gave all his riches and became poor for you and I. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, Paul said, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. You say, Brother Kogel, you got it wrong. I, I don't have $10 in my, to my name. If you're saved, you're rich. 
For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Mark 8, 36 and 37. The Lord was saying there's no price tag on a soul. Amen. So I said this morning, or last night, I read that. I, I've already, you say, well, preacher, didn't you know that people die, go to hell, they're there forever? Didn't you know that, preacher? Brother Kogel? Yes, I knew that. But I read that message by Spurgeon, and he said, the hell of hell is that it's forever. It just... It just kind of grabbed a hold of my heart and my mind. And it's like, I mean, I got loved ones on my dad's side, mom's side. Dad's side, they're all Catholic. I mean, my Aunt Mary, dad's sister, I mean, if you met her, you'd think she's a Christian. A lot of them on my dad's side, you'd think, you'd think they're saved, they're lost as a goose. My mom told me the other day, said, Mary goes to, Mary goes to Mass three times a week. When I crushed my hand back in 1980, she came to Grant Hospital because I was in there a week. And she visited me. I gave her a gospel track. That's 42 years ago. I've witnessed several of them on my dad's side. Stinking religion. I hate religion. I hate it. You ought to hate it too. We don't hate people, we love people, we love souls. Religious systems that damn souls. I, I, I'm not, I, preachers can do whatever they want to do, but God's given us 10 radio stations. We're on 10 radio stations. Get into Columbus, Cincinnati, Dayton, uh, all, I mean, the southern half of the state of Ohio, and up north of Columbus. Eastern Indiana, Northern Kentucky, and parts of West Virginia. And since this month is Pride Month, I got messages I got on homosexuality. And so we're on 30 minutes. And so last Sunday, the 19th, Father's Day, and today, the 26th, I played the same message on homosexuality. I go through the Old Testament verses and Kings and other verses about the Sodomites and all this stuff. Romans chapter 1, Genesis 19. And I played it on all ten stations last Sunday. If I see another rainbow, I'm going to vomit. I used to like rainbows. They've turned that into something perverted. And that what different colors on that represent LGBTQ. Is that what it means? You say, what would you do if your son or grandson ended up being one of the... I'd say, listen, I love you. I love you. But I want to tell you what you're doing is wrong. Amen. And it needs to be repented of. Just like any other sin, it needs to be Amen. repented of. You need to forsake it. But, but dad loves you. Grandpa loves you. But that's wrong. Right. We've got a lot of parents and grandparents that their kid or their grandkid ends up in some of these sins. Right. And they get mad at the preacher if he preaches against right. it. Amen. What's that? You're right. Hey. If my kids, God forbid, end up doing a bunch of stupid junk, I still preach against sin. Amen. You say, aren't you a hypocrite? No, they're grown adults, man. He uh, gave all of his riches and became poor for me and you. He gave his reputation for us. Virgin born. 
People didn't understand this. You know what they said? In John 8, 41, the Pharisees said, We be not born of fornication. You know what they were calling him, don't you? You know, God will allow sometimes things to happen in your life that will make it look like you're wrong or that you've done something wrong. Joseph and Mary, look at that. Think about that. It looked like to the town and the community. Did you hear about Mary and Joseph? Yes, I heard. She's with child. Yep, they're not even married. They didn't do nothing wrong. But it looked like it. To mankind, it looked like it. You better be careful. You might not know the whole story. Amen. He gave his reputation for me, but made himself of no reputation. And took upon him the form of servant, Philippians 2.7. He, he gave his time for me. He gave his time. He said, wish you not that I must be about my father's business, Luke 2.49. And John 9, 4, he said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. He gave his life for me. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. He gave his shoulders to bear me to his home. You'll see that about the shoulders there in Luke 15. The prodigal son story there and the three different parables there. Man put it on his shoulders there in Luke 15, 1-7. He gave his shoulders to bear me to his home, to bear my burdens and griefs and sorrows. I just want to thank him for giving himself for me. Amen. Amen. Let me give you this real quick. Number, number six. It's sweet. The cross, the tree of Calvary, is sweet influences. It's got a sweet influence. It's had a sweet influence in my life. Because, because of the message it proclaims. The proclamation of the message. It's got a message of hope. People don't have any hope. I read in a magazine, a couple of doctors said, the reason why most people commit suicide is they don't feel like there's any hope. I want to tell you here tonight, there's hope in Jesus Christ. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. 1 Corinthians 15, 19. Do you know what that means, folks? We not only have hope in Christ in this life, but in the next one. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. You want to know why there's so many miserable people? They don't have hope in Christ in the next life. One of the characteristics of people before they get saved and Ephesians 2.12 is having no hope Amen. without God, so forth and so on. Having no hope. That's why we've got to reach them. Yeah. Do all we can do. Be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That don't mean we hope we make it to heaven. It's only a hope in that it... Uh, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Uh, Romans 8.24-26 talks about that hope. It's only a hope in that it hasn't become physically manifested yet. Paul isn't saying, I hope I make it to heaven. It's only a hope in the sense of you're not there yet. And it hasn't become physically manifested. But according to the Bible, you're going there if you've been saved. Amen. 
They don't have any hope, folks. This lost and dying world. Look at them. Look at their faces. I travel around the country, preach, and sometimes I drive to meetings, sometimes I fly to meetings, and I, I sit in airports, the layovers and things, and I sit in airports and I watch, I just watch people. I love to just watch people. There's people coming there, especially the bigger airports, people there from all over the country and different parts of the world. Most people I see, I, I'm not saying you got to go around giggling and laughing 24-7. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying most people I see look like they are so miserable. Amen. And they have no hope. For example, this is in the local paper up there. This is uh, Saturday, April 16th, 2022. Uh, remember how it used to be Dear Ann Landers, but now it's Dear Annie. Dear Annie Lane. Dear Annie... <clears throat> I'm writing to share my feelings about giving up and just being done. I've come to the conclusion that nothing really means diddly anymore. Going from day to day in an effort to find happiness and the illusion of caring in any, of the illusion of caring in anybody. No one gives a rip. Let me cut through all the nonsense and masks. At 65, I've come to the conclusion that everyday niceties and greeting other folks are just people engaging on what everyone expects to hear. How are you? Fine. How are you doing? Great. But if we were to really answer truthfully, no one wants to hear it. It's negative, whining, unmanly. We hold the pain internally, wearing the mask that portrays, wearing the mask that portrays all is great leading down the road of same old, same old. I feel so guilty for feeling blue and depressed. I'm so blessed in life. I have a nice home, successful kids, good retirement, stuff, a lot of stuff. And comparing this to others who struggle day to day, guilt. Yet the internal blah is there nonetheless. My children's careers took them away across the states. I'm a single dad and grandpa. I get out with friends, but I'm always the third wheel. I give my time and share. I give my time and share. I love deeply. I just wish that when I'm asked how things are, I can answer openly and truthfully, I'm lonely. Folks have their own masks to hide behind, same as me. We all are a bunch of phonies. All I see around me are other angry Americans anymore. Angry on the road, angry in the stores, angry over politics, fraud insurance for profit, schemes. No one has any regard for anyone else. The world has gone completely insane. So I ask you how to cope. Am I alone feeling like nothing really matters anymore? Is it just a free-for-all? I wish I had someone to walk with holding hands and feeling again, someone who can relate and gently tell me everything's going to be okay. Done with it. Dear, done with it. No matter how blessed or fortunate we are in life, it's not abnormal to feel down from time to time, especially considering the difficulties we've all faced these last few years. But just because the world is full of angry people doesn't mean you have to be one of them. Amen. But she offered no hope. Because little... Miss Annie here probably isn't saved. Now you say, well, preacher, I'm saved, and I kind of feel like that guy. You shouldn't. 
if you're saved, if you're born again, and you're walking with the Lord, Jesus said, I am come that they might have life. That they might have it more abundant. John 10, 10. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. He's real life. Real life is in a person. He that hath a son hath life. You say, that's eternal life. Yeah, but you can have abundant life here on this earth. Amen. And you can walk with God. You can get up in the morning and have a smile on your face and a spring in your step. The message it proclaims is sweet influences. Message of hope. Message of help. Message of healing. Message of happiness. Let me go to this next thing real quick. The cross, the tree of Calvary, is sweet because of the persecution that it brings. We won't turn to it for the sake of time because I want to close, but in Galatians 5, verse 11 and 12, and Galatians 6, 12, Galatians 5, 11 and 12, and Galatians 6, 12, Paul talks about the offense of the cross. Amen. Folks, you know what the offense of the cross is? When you tell people that they need to get saved and they got to trust Christ and that's the only way they can get to heaven, Amen. you basically just smacked them in the face. Right. You say, what do you mean I smacked them in the face? I mean, we don't smack them in the face, but that's how they feel. Because you're telling them they're no good. And they can't get themselves to heaven. By anything they've done in the past, they're doing in the, right now, in the present, or will do in the future. And that's the offense of the cross. You're telling that individual that they can they got to totally trust the blood of Christ. And that's why most people think they've got to do something else. Well, I mean, I know Jesus died on the cross, and I thank him for that, but I still believe that i got to do this. Amen. Brother Mike talked about that in Sunday school this morning. But I still believe you got to do that. They think it's too simple. Man, we are born our Adamic nature. We believe... That, and I'm not trying to be mean, but that's why a lot of people believe you can lose your salvation because they think they think they got to do something to keep their salvation. They either works to get it or works to keep it. Because the Adamic nature thinks that I'm a pretty good person. And you know, I appreciate the Lord doing that. It's awful nice of Him doing that. But I still believe that I think I'm a pretty good person. You got to keep it. You got to hang on. You got to keep on doing good or you'll lose it and go to hell. It's part of the Adamic nature, self-righteous nature of mankind that we're born with it. Hey, folks, it's a free gift. It's sweet because of the persecution it brings. Last of all, praise God, the cross, the tree of Calvary is sweet, sweet influences God's sugar stick because of the palace or the mansion it secures. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will come again. 
and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. John 14, 1 to 3. I had a guy tell me one time, he said, uh, you know, I know, he's, I know for years pre- uh, Christians have said that, you know, God's got a mansion for us. He said, Brother Kogel, when you look at them verses, he said, it really don't say that. I said, what are you talking about? He said, in my father's house are many mansions. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. He said, he didn't say he's going to prepare a mansion. I said, well, brother, what do you... I, said, I told him, I said, brother, I don't care if it's a sewer hole. I said, as long as it's with Jesus and I'm with Jesus forever and there's no more pain and sorrow and everything else. He said, yeah, but it says, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house and remain. He said, we're not so. I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. He said, I want to go and prepare a place for you. He just said, there's in my Father's house are many mansions. And then he said, I go to prepare a place for you. He says two different things. I said, brother, I don't care how you're, he said, you're, I said, you're playing on words here. I said, I just believe I got a mansion up there. Amen. Wanted to argue about that. I mean, like he was going to prove a point. We don't have a mansion. Like he was bound determined to convince me I don't have a mansion. Hey, if you're saved, you're going to heaven. I'm, I'm just glad I'm not going to hell. Have you ever burned your tip of your finger? Or hand or arm or something. You ever burned your arm or something? You want to put water on it. But there's no water in hell. And I think about my loved ones, relatives on my dad's side. I can think of their and think of their faces right now in my mind. And I think of the people on my mom's side and my dad's side. And I think about family members who are not saved. And there's a very good chance, on my dad's side especially, because most of them are Catholic, that they'll go to hell. And if you ever met them, you'd think they were Christians. Very nice, sweet, dear people. That's a shame. And sometimes I feel guilty. I say, God, I'm done. But I say, God, how's come I wasn't raised in in this Muslim religion or some other false cult or Islam or how's come I wasn't raised in Catholicism? How's come I was able to hear the gospel at 20 years old, 19 years old actually, got saved when I was 20? How's come? I'm saved and I'm going to heaven, but I want everybody else to go. You ought to get somebody on your heart. You don't have to get 10,000 people, I mean, unless you want to. But maybe one or two, three people in your heart, family member, friend, neighbor, somebody you work with, go to school with or whatever, get a bird and say, God, I haven't cried a lot. I haven't really cried recently, wept tears over somebody dying and burning in hell forever. Forever. Spurgeon said the hell of hell is that it's forever. They never get out. Try to think about a thousand years in your head. Kind of hard, isn't it? Think about 10 million years. Think about eternity. Never getting out. That's why whatever we're going to do, we got to do it now. 
I said earlier about the homosexuality messages on the radio, I don't just preach and attack other religions and false teachings and all that. We preach the gospel too. Amen. I preach about I preach and teach everything about everything. We do verse by verse studies and put it all on the radio. Station in Waverly, Ohio, we're on seven days a week, 30 minutes a day. That guy loves me, the owner. He said, you can preach whatever you want to preach. Whoa, glory to God. His wife don't care too much for me, but let's all stand if you would.